Justin Bell here with Drive to Win, presented by the Win Las Vegas and brought to you by Mobile One for the love of driving. And guess what? It is Las Vegas week. We've been waiting for this for the past five months, and finally it is here. It is the days before the Heineken Silver Grand Prix of Las Vegas. And of course, I've been here for a few days, as you know. We just posted our Concours at the Win Las Vegas show at the weekend. And uh, as you know, you know everything about that. It was an amazing event and it really kicked off Ultimate Race Week here in Las Vegas for the win. And when I say it kicked it off, it was the catalyst for this energy, this vibe. There's so much passion, interest, and there's, of course, so much speculation about a new event. And there's been pros and cons and a lot of things happening. Um, but, of course, we're getting to the point now that uh, those are, all those discussions, arguments, debates are going to be resolved in the next few days. But I have a great guest coming on today. He is a guy called Darren Cox. Not a familiar name to you, but his character was in the Gran Turismo movie, and he's a very knowledgeable man when it comes to the world of sim racing, as you will hear. It's going to be a fun interview and get his thoughts on how drivers prepare, especially for a new race like this. But there's a lot of stuff happening around uh, the win and the racetrack. But let's start with the fun stuff, shall we? And uh, the reason I'm so buzzed, guys, is that literally Lando Norris just walked that way. And we have the Netflix golf tournament this evening here. This is actually Tuesday at the win. By the time you watch this, it'll be over. But the Netflix golf tournament is a totally new concept, taking four Formula One drivers. It's Albon, Lando, and Carlos Sainz playing, and one of the others, playing uh, four top PGA golfers. And they're out there, and I tell you what they've done with the course is outrageous. So we'll be going through that in a little bit, and uh, maybe on the next show I'll be able to give you a, bit, a few highlights from that. Uh, so i just seen drivers. You see Adrian Newey went by not long ago. I mean, amazing to see these people that we've been watching on TV, and uh, they're here in the inside the win, especially a lot of them are staying here, and the drivers. So obviously with Formula One coming to town, the Las Vegas uh, promotional marketing machine has gone into overdrive, especially some of the things that we associate with Vegas, like getting married, for example, when perhaps you shouldn't. And one of those uh, highlights is going to be they have built a Las Vegas wedding chapel in the Formula One paddock where fans can get married right near the track. Um, I think it's probably uh, one of those things, racing to the altar, maybe racing away from the altar might be the thing. But certainly if you are one of those couples that do it, It'll be an unforgettable wedding experience, uh, complete with themed decor, which probably is a pile of tires and greasy guy in a race suit, uh, you know, in an overall. So it's going to be kind of fun to watch uh, if anyone does that. Although last night at dinner, I was told a story, probably shouldn't say, uh, apparently the British SAS come here and train, and uh, two of them ended up getting drunk and getting married, which apparently is very hard to undo when it's guys in Vegas who are soldiers. Anyway, let's hope that two drivers don't do it. Um, so that's kind of fun. And then the sphere, in the middle of it all, quite literally. Uh, you heard me talk about it. It is extraordinary. I've shown pictures of it. I saw it being built. And now it's up and running. And, of course, with the U2 residency, what's happening with that? Well, i tell you what's happening with that. You know, a lot of events buy out a restaurant because that's what they have to do to take over the place. Well, in the case of the sphere being on the inside of the track, inside by the paddock, they had to do basically a buyout. And while you two have been 
in residency uh, and it, since the 24th of September and they've got a 23 gig run all the way through into next year. They have taken this part of November off and Formula One are having to compensate everybody for that. But they do have the rights to the advertising and it will be racing themed, Formula One sponsored themed advertising on the sphere all through the weekend, which will be outrageous, I'm sure. And I think I talked about it and speculated a couple of weeks, a few weeks ago on what that would be like and what the advertising would be. But I think it's going to uh, obviously be quite outstanding as the cars make their way turn left around it. Remember, it cost $2.3 billion or something. So um, a landmark that will be unique in the world of racing. Um, Valtteri Bottas, well, he's always... Uh, one of those characters that we see. And he's actually going to be in studio with me on Thursday night. That'll make for a good show. I hope you will look forward to that. But Valtteri is uh, selling nude calendars of himself and offering a free mullet to people that are going near the resort where he's basing this in raising funds for charity. There's parts of that that I want to see and parts that I don't want to see. But we'll definitely talk about that when he comes in. Those are all the fun things. I mean, Netflix golf, you've got this, you've got haircuts, you've got drivers running around, activations like you've never seen. The Red Bull are launching their car tonight by dropping it out of the ceiling into the middle of a nightclub somewhere. Tickets are in, uh, literally, we can't get to it. it. There's too much demand. So that is the na name of the game, activations of sponsorships and all the fun stuff that comes with that, building up Las Vegas like no one else. But some of the bad stuff, some of the stuff... Is it bad? I don't know. It's controversial. And we premeditated it, premeditated it and we, we talked about it for sure. But there has been so much inconvenience to the locals here in Las Vegas that they really are outraged. Everyone other than my producer, Jeremiah, he's not outraged. He's inconvenienced, but he's part of it. Uh, but so many people have been inconvenienced that I'm hoping, obviously, as our Formula One and Las Vegas as a city, that by the end of it, they'll have made so much money for everybody that uh, people might quieten down. But remember, they are here to stay 10 years of this. So the other thing is the track. Um, you've seen pictures around on social media about the track being compared to an upside down pig, which is rather unfortunate. I'm sure the track designers didn't have that in mind, but it's not without precedent. Racetracks, precedent? Uh, racetracks have looked like all sorts of things over the years. I think the Formula E track looked like a weird sort of giraffe. So that's not unusual, but I think people are looking at things to, to poke fun of. But the track and the preparations have cost over $500 million to build, and this 3.8-mile track is really something that is so outstanding. Everybody's getting ready for it, but I hope Darren will, will bring it up a bit later and we'll discuss but something extraordinary that I discovered last night when I, for myself, when I drove the Red Bull simulator, is the straight at that length is quite extraordinary. It is so long that all sorts of dynamics are going to be happening to the car, especially with the tires and brake package. Tires, you'd think, really do warm up, you think, at high speed, but actually it's lateral load that causes the temperature buildup to build up in the carcass sidewall and the compound construction of the tires. When they're going down a straight, they tend to cool down. But especially the brakes, those carbon ceramic discs, will just be stone cold by the end. So that leads into marrying with Ross Braun. Ross Braun, one of the you know most influential people in Formula One, from Ferrari, running Ferrari, to running the FIA and running involved with Formula One management. He, he said that I don't think anyone predicted these temperatures, which is, you know, obviously a little... 
bit of lack of preparation. But this is the high desert. The temperatures do plummet in the evenings, especially towards the middle of November. So we're going to have this uh, whole experience for everybody of track temperatures being so cold, which is going to affect them on restarts, so, you know, affect them on cold tires coming out of the pits or tires after they come out of the tire warmers. So we're going to have so many elements, which could, of course, I think, my prediction, it'll result in some really exciting racing. And that could be the, uh, you know, the, the main key. So before we jump into Darren, remember the schedule for the week is going to be very intense once we get to Thursday night. If you're on the East Coast, you're going to have to stay up late because it'll be the middle of the night. If you're in Europe, you're going to, you're going to have the advantage. But it's four days of events here, two nights of practice, qualifying, and then the race on Saturday. It's just going to be outrageous. So I, for one, can't wait for it. Continuing the theme of actually having real-life human beings in the studio for a change after 22 or three shows, uh, I'm very excited to have a, a good friend of mine for many is Darren Cox. He's a British businessman and automotive and motorsport expert, really. But also, he is better known recently for being actually the creator of the GT, well, the creator of the character that you saw in the Gran Turismo movie um, with the GT Academy. And Darren was the guy played by Orlando Bloom. So, so many things I have to bring up about that. But Darren, it's good to have you, in, good to have you here. Orlando declined, so we got you instead. The body double. The body double. Uh, I mean, we've got we to gotta bring that up first. What a crazy sort of bow to be tied yes. on that incredible journey. Yeah. that started all those years ago with, with GT Academy, when you were just, you were a hustler making that happen, when <laughs> no one else in, in, in Nissan really had the vision for it. And, mm. and that's where it started, and the movie ended it. Yes, 2005 I came up with the idea, so 18 years ago, a long time ago. And now, you know, we were just talking earlier about the fact that Lando's come here, got off the plane, he goes straight onto the simulator, yeah. starts practicing to understand what the circuit feels like around here in the virtual world. In 2005, everyone thought I was completely mad to think that gamers could actually ultimately turn into racing drivers in the real world, that, that they had transferable skills, that turning a steering wheel in the virtual world, pushing pedals, understanding racing line, understanding breaking points, understanding strategy was actually beneficial to what would then become a career in the real world. Now, it's obvious, right? I mean, it's... Everyone would look back, well, of course, that's what we should have done. At the time, it was seen as a massive risk. And, uh, yeah, it took three years for me to convince people to actually make it happen. So we ended up launching in 2008. I'm glad you said it was so tough, I know, from the corporate side. And they did put that across in the movie. But it was also tough for us as as people involved in sports cars. Mm. When you, you know, came into the paddock and I was doing the TV at the time for Speed Channel, and they're like, well this guy who they got this gamer he's going to be coming to race and he's going to do daytona and stuff and i remember we we're all going that's just daft i mean how can you do that because <laughs> again we had no context for mm. that and and nor did you really i mean mm. you were taking a massive leap of faith weren't you yeah and that's the only disappointment of of the film was orlando plays me as a and it wasn't his choice of course it was mm. a scriptwriter's choice as a very corporate guy that was using this as a platform to advance his career. It was the opposite. I mean, I had a normal career. This was a part-time job within oh. my normal job. Um, and uh, it was a huge risk. I mean, if this would have gone wrong, that would have been my career at Nissan uh, yeah. gone, really. So uh, that's the only thing that rankles a little bit within the film. But as you say, what the best bit about the, the film is, is a couple of things. One is 
that I was saying, you, as usual, um, came up with a much better uh, explanation saying the bow around it. It felt like an exclamation mark, you know, and too much in life, you do stuff, you keep moving on, you go on to the next thing, yeah. you don't really look back probably until you're old and even greyer than I am now, um, and you don't appreciate what you did and the people that you did it with and how much fun it was. But then doing this, it gave me a huge amount of time to think about what it was like, you know, reconnect with old friends, yeah. talk to them about, well, that didn't happen, did it? Remember that time when we did this? And obviously stuff that you'd absolutely never put in a film, but that's uh, that's for the book, I think, probably. Um, and the second thing was to sort of celebrate that with with my my family because they weren't around at that time when we would do it. Or, they, you know, my um, eldest daughters were around but didn't sort of appreciate it. So then they go and see a movie, and you know it's well. That's actually quite cool, Dad, isn't it? So yeah, it's it's been uh, it's been quite the year to be honest. Um, but the the movie project started over ten years ago. So um, yeah, we we were at um, Spa, um, a racing driver that you'll know well, Alex Buncombe yeah. was driving for us at the time, and his family's very good friends with um, Jensen's family. And uh, he said, oh, they're, they're, Jensen was meeting some people in LA the other day, and they're making a movie about this project you know and this is we're only a few years into this project yeah. at the time oh, don't be stupid and of course that's exactly what happened yeah. that they they were making this movie but it did take 10 years there was a lot of politics involved between nissan and sony there was a lot of people wanting to um you know have their sort of ego buffed up a little bit if you like and in the end you know sony uh, were paying for the movie so it, it's a it's a very good representation of what they got involved in in terms of the project um, we had five script writers. The first script was absolutely awful. But I would say the last script, I think, 80% true to life, to be quite honest. And it's been picked up in the press. There's a, of course, it's been Hollywooded, right? You know, they've moved, some, date, they've moved some dates around. They've changed some characters. But from someone that was right in the middle of it, it's as good a representation as you're going to get from Hollywood uh, of something that really happened. Uh, and I sat there in the, in the theatre... And I paid to go and see Thank it with you. my I girlfriend. That, yeah. I, I thought you might need it. Well, unfortunately, no. I didn't take any points. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, I took all the money up front. So I, I, uh, I was watching the movie, and then I, I heard someone say near me, "God, I bet that didn't happen when he killed the guy." You know, and I went, "It did." So I, I, I remember that moment, and I remember thinking, "Oh no, no, that's that's the end of this project. That's mm. that's not going." You know, I mean, these were real moments in the mm. film. When I, I read, because they wanted me at one point, I went to a meeting in LA, typical LA meetings. I'm sure they had 100 people in to do some consulting on the Le Mans scenes because mm. there aren't a lot of Le Mans drivers in, in LA. So no. I got uh, wheeled in there. And then I got to see one, I don't know which version of the script with it, but it was the one when he has a, uh, has a little love tryst with uh, Kazanori's daughter. Yeah, I remember and that. And I remember one, going, yeah. I don't know if that's going to work in Japan. <laughs> I mean, you can't just pair him off. Shagging the boss's wife, daughter. I'm sure that probably is going to get killed. Well, I think probably when Kazanori saw that, that was when that uh, that uh, particular storyline uh, ended. Yeah, there was lots of iterations. I mean, at one point, I was a female in the oh. uh, in the film, and there was talk of Sienna Miller playing me, which um, uh, I don't don't quite know how I feel about that still. But yeah. um, you know, we ended up with Orlando Bloom. But the, the funny thing about that was. I was getting these text messages saying, are we talking to X actor or are we talking to this actor or that actor's, you know, rejected it. And I was saying these names out to my wife, which is just madness, right? Yeah. Some of the names that they were coming up with. I mean, even bigger in a way than Orlando. And I said, well, you know, because of course they all then fell over or couldn't do it or, yeah. you know, whatever. I said, well, it's going to be Orlando Bloom. She goes, of course it's not. <laughs> I mean, and, and, then it, and then it was. I was thinking when you were saying about your daughter saying, hey, daddy, it's so cool to kind of watch you do this. 
Did did uh, did your daughter say, "Daddy, were you that good looking when you were younger?" It was. Well, I think they've seen the pictures. So, um, but so, you know, yeah. people have said we're we're like twins. Um, you are so like twins. Yeah. Could have been like Gerard Butler out of three hundred, and that would have been more appropriate. Well, I think it was more, um, you know, twins as in Schwarzenegger and Devito rather than anything else. <laughs> but um, yeah, but you know, Orlando, um, he um, really sort of got into it. He's a car guy, although he doesn't talk, like to talk about it a lot because he's. Saving the planet and everything, so he doesn't. He, he likes to go to Formula E races. He's not here this weekend, Ooh. which I find very strange. But he was at Monaco. Did a very famous um, interview. Martin um, doorstepped him, and uh, I think he'd been enjoying lunch um, a little bit too much, perhaps. And and uh, it was quite a funny interview. So um, yeah, he's he's he loves cars, loves his Porsches. So um, you know, perfect casting in that respect. Yeah. Well, great story. But what I wanted to 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 have you on for was obviously I've been looking forward to talking about the movie, but also. You said it. Simulators are how drivers get prepared for tracks. In my day, and when you were first involved, we used to walk around the track, mm. a bicycle if someone had one. There were no electric scooters or golf carts. <laughs> it was like, I remember my dad saying, oh, you know, we're at the no, uh, uh, spa, and he said, well, we're going to walk it. I'm like, oh, Christ, up that hill and mm. everything. So, and that's what we used to do. Mm. And as you say, it's now de facto drivers have to be gay. Gamers is the wrong word, but they have to have those gamer skills mm. to be able to handle the technology now, mm. to develop the car and, yeah. and everything. Did you predict that? I know I know that's Absolutely why. Absolutely not. I mean, no. I could come here and sit and say I'm, yeah. a, I'm a genius. soothsayer or something, yeah. but um, no, not at all. I mean, I knew basically we were going to make, you know, find some good racing drivers, but I didn't know we'd find great racing drivers. Yeah. I think if we'd have found them younger, which maybe is the next thing we'll do. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we could have got them further up the career ladder. But in terms of the yeah, domination of virtual testing now, you know, yeah. there's there's no in-season testing, as you know, or very little. Was there four days now, Formula yeah, 1 yeah, testing yeah. before yeah. the season starts? Back in the day, you know, Ferrari, you know, you know, allegedly, well, not allegedly, truthfully, Schumacher would be testing every single day in somewhere in Italy. You know, he'd just be pounding around all day in a, in a real car. That now happens, but it's in the virtual world. Yeah. You know, what's interesting, so we, we did a project after GT Academy called World's Fastest Gamer with uh, with Zach at um, uh, McLaren, and the prize was for the guy not to go into real racing but to become a Formula 1 simulator driver. So not for eSports, not for gaming competition, but to actually go into their simulator program and be the simulator driver for, at the time, Yeah. funny actually, Lando did uh, some of the promotional videos when he was in Formula 2 for that World's Fastest Gamer. And he now, the guy who won, Rudy Van Buren, is now the number one simulator driver at Red Bull, and he was asked specifically, he was got by Max because he can adapt his style to Max's style. So when you hear about, you know, the first year that Checo was against Max, yes. the car was set up by Alex Albon, who was their sim driver, because he drove the car very similar to Checo. So Max obviously doing what Max does, make sure everything's perfect for him and, and, and his team around him. Um, and they said, this guy can adapt his driving st style to my driving style so he yeah. can develop the car for me in the simulator, and I trust him to do that. And that was that guy's break, basically. So he'd done the McLaren thing. He was doing some other stuff, racing Porsches, actually, in Europe. And then, you know, Max basically headhunted him to say, that's the guy I want to develop that car. So Rudy now goes over, and, and all the teams do this. You'll know this. On a Thursday, they set the car up. Once the drivers have gone, you know, they would have done some um, time in the simulator, the actual drivers. Then these guys basically are the third car of the team. They're in the virtual world they when the car's not on the track for real they send all the data back to the simulator at the factory and then these guys basically develop the car in between sessions you know max might say i think we need a bit more you know front down force can you put it on the simulator and between fp1 and fp2 that guy is testing it he's sat there ready 
all the data gets sent back. They're then linked to the um, circuit in the sim, and then, yeah, Max will get him to try different um, specs. And then he's got the call, the guy that sat in the simulator, saying, yes, Max, this is faster or slower than the, the setup you just had. Why don't we try this in FP2? So massive responsibility, right? And that suddenly, <laughs> yeah. That's wild. <laughs> and, and that's why then suddenly these guys are earning big dollar, right? Because... Yeah. You've got to have a good guy doing that and you've got to have someone that Max trusts or yeah. Lando or whoever yeah. it is back at the factory to say, I'm going to go in a setup direction. You know how important yeah. this is. I'm going to go in a setup direction um, that will suit my driving style. This is the way I want to go. And then that guy makes the decision that sat in the factory on a simulator in the virtual world to what goes on the car in the next session. Like what direction? That's yeah. mind-numbing. So, because Max has said that the reason he likes loves driving sim racing goes home he, he likes to do GT rate and touring cars and everything else because he, the gamers show him online racers will try lines. They're not they're not married to the laws of physics like mm. we are in outside, inside, mm. outside on a ninety degree corner. They try everything, mm. and he says I learn a lot from watching them. And I think, oh, maybe I can try that. Mm. But I guess what you're saying is obviously there are physical restrictions. If you go out wide all the way, the guy's going to go down the inside mm. and all that. But you're saying the sim driver matched matched a real race, you know, his his driving ganger, if you yeah. like, yeah. has to match it and and drive it just like Max would yeah. rotate the car and yeah. all that. Whereas you hear about, you know, some drivers like it on the nose, some people like yeah. you know it drive, and and so you've got to have a guy that's in the sim that drives like you drive. Otherwise, what's the point? They'll set up the car for them, not for you. So yeah, it's it's completely changed, and that now has become more and more important. So you know, I think if you spoke to Max, he'd say. The reason he struggled or the reason that Checo was closer to him in the first season was the car was not set up for him in the simulator. And what's really interesting about the eSports stuff, and, and Max and Lando both did this a little bit as they were coming through the ranks because it wasn't cool, right, to be a gamer, yeah. even, you know, that short Recently, time ago. Yeah. Um, but Max um, bought into the team he used to race for. So he raced for Redline Racing, which is the best um, virtu virtual racing team, eSports team, if you will, now. I set my own thing up. These guys blew me out of the water. Yeah. They've been around for a, a long, longer time than I. He's now invested in that business. And I spoke to the co-founder only the other day. Um, and basically, he's operationally involved. On a Monday, he'll be having meetings with those guys talking about how they're going to win the next virtual race. And he says he enjoys that more than he does the actual re real racing. Unbelievable. 60 or $70 million a year probably proves that he's in the right place, though. I think so. Um, I think so too. So, okay, so let's talk about this weekend. Las Vegas, new track, all new for everybody. Um, I drove on that Red Bull Sim in there, as you saw, disastrously uh, yesterday. The halo, when you're learning a track, mm. is very difficult when you're mm. trying to see, you know, when you don't know the track. Mm. Obviously, I know when you're really racing, you're looking down the road, mm. you're not seeing it. So, but... We have this issue with track temperatures. Mm. Uh, apparently no one thought about that in the high I, desert, I, I which just blows that, yeah. my mind. Um, but I think Ross Braun's come out and said that. Ross Braun said it. We, no yeah. one thought about it. Anyone around here would have been able to help you with that bit of information. Um, or Google. Or Google. <laughs> yeah, the, the weather app. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah. Not necessarily that complicated. Um, but so a tremendous amount of development would have gone on, even mm. though like we had Valtteri Botas on six weeks ago, and he was like, I haven't even seen the track yet. Mm. He said, I think I'm getting on the sim in about a month's time mm. because it's so intense when they go in, mm. but the sim driver will have driven the heck out yeah. of this track. Absolutely, yeah. On every set of Pirelli tires with the, yeah. the tolerance. They'd have been pounding around, yeah, absolutely. Really? The problem is, and it's not a problem, I think it'll be really good. The 
I genuinely think the less data that we have in the sport, the better, right? I mean, mm. I know that, that genie's out the bottle, that can't be done. But if you see, you know, now we've got these sprint weekends, if they only have one practice session and you go straight into whatever it's qualifying and I get yeah. lost of what the um, yeah. order of the uh, the races is the, sprint, these days. shoot out yeah, and all that. Yeah, all that. It mixes. It gets a little bit mixed up to start off with yeah, because yeah. they haven't had the time to get that virtual data and turn it into real yeah. life um, uh, data and real life setup. And I think that's going to happen here. I think you can you can model the hell out of a track. Yeah. But if you haven't got the right data, you know, a lot of the things they do, you know, the modelling is unbelievable. The the depths they go to to they're measuring, you know, the asphalt, the gaps in the asphalt. I mean everything to try and work out the, the grip uh, dynamics. They can't do that here. You know, no. I mean, I'm sure they would have sent people out to have a look at it, but they've been resurfacing up until recently. And the other thing is there's different bits. Some of it's been resurfaced, some of it hasn't. Um, and as you alluded to there, I think the biggest, biggest issue is going to be tyre warm-up. Um, we, Alex Albon, uh, who's just about to wander down there and play golf in a minute, um, was saying that he thinks there could be as many as three warm-up laps in qualifying to just to get the temperature in the tyres because qualifying starts at midnight. It's going to be even colder than the race. So in qualifying, he was worrying, even on the super soft tyres, they're here, the, the yeah. three tyre compounds they've got are the softest you can go to for the season. He's saying maybe two to three warm-up laps just to get the tyres in the right temperature window. And mm. then, and you've driven it very, very badly, as you say. Yeah. That's, that's great of you to admit it. I don't think there's transferable skills from the real world into the virtual world. Not Sorry about 55, that. No. no, exactly. Um the straight is massive. I mean, the, and brilliant. Well done. You know, it's going to be iconic, that shot of them blasting down the, the strip and everything. Um, but when they get, I think it's a mile and a half, when they get to the end of that straight, the, the tyre temperature, there's going to be some issues in the tyres, which I can't explain. There's someone more technical than me, I'm sure you're going to have on the show in the next uh, couple of days. Um, there's going to be issues with the way that the tyres um, manage that in the cold weather, so they're going to have to run a lot harder um, tyre pressures. Tire that's, pressures. Already, that's already been um, uh, decided. When they get to the end of the straight, the, the brakes are going to be cold. Yeah. And you know better than anyone, carbon brakes, if they're not at the right temperature, you're going straight on. So yeah. th this, I find this going to be fascinating because I, it, there's a load of curveballs. There's not one curveball. Yeah. And again, you know, you know this as well as anyone. The cars are optimised to try and keep as cool as possible. So a lot of the time they're running in hot conditions. They race in the Middle East a lot, you know, during the, the European summer. This time is probably the only time I can remember that they're going to have to optimise the car for cold conditions. So we could have a mixed-up grid. Then again, Max could great. just disappear off into the distance. Yeah, I mean, but there's something fun about when you watch them in the short practices, when they only have an hour, and uh, maybe it's not ideal circumstances, you know, rains, you know, or intermediates and stuff. It's crazy to me how the Botasses and the and the Raikkonens, mm. those guys who grew up sideways, right mm. in their side in their in their baby chairs, <laughs> right, they're amazing straight off the blocks. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see because some of those guys are better mm. when the car tires aren't optimal. Yeah. Um. So that'll be fun to watch. But there's not a lot of room to be sliding around out there. I mean, we drove no. up, uh, on the track yesterday. I think, again, it's a lot narrower than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, the left hander onto the straight here, yeah. just in front of the wind. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's, uh, I mean, that is the tightest ninety degree mm. you can get in a yeah. It was tight in an Uber, mm. um, <laughs> so it was. It's going to be interesting. I mean, and I think, you know, when you look at it, the other thing that's going to, pre, you know, if you're predicting things, when they have one lap warm up for qualifying and they're doing all that 
shenanigans waiting, which they have mm. to do. Mm. I hate it. Yeah, I don't too. even know how they not hit. No one's hit each other yet. Mm. That will happen. There's just mm. nowhere they can't. Let's do uh, a one-lap shootout. One-lap shootout. That's what they should do. One person goes on the track, then they'll say, well, it might be hotter or cold, or the guy that goes out last is going to have the best but opportunity. It's a Maybe they should draw for it. There and, we go. You know, and then Let's the, write the new rules for next year. Let's well, do it now. We, well, we're the smart ones, aren't we? God, I'll tell you what. Who told you that? Well, us. Oh, all right, okay. Yeah. Um, no, it's going to be really exciting. Mm. Uh, any, I've actually got a little side bet with uh, my friends, um, mainly my producer. He doesn't know yet, Jeremiah, but I'm, I'm going with Lando. I'm going with Lando for the weekend. I reckon he's going to win. That's okay. my thought. That would, he's that taking would, Max. That yeah, would, that, that would be um, not a bad place to have his first win, would it? It, it would. It would cement him as the fans' favourite. I think if he won the Las Vegas Grand Prix, it's amazing where he's come from, right? I mean, he drove for our, our mutual friend. Trevor Carlin through yeah. his whole of his junior career um, and then and then came into Formula One and he hasn't won a race. How he hasn't won a race is amazing. But the, the 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 progress that McLaren have made this year, I don't think that's a bad shout. What's amazing is, which has sort of gone under the radar a little bit, Piastri's season. He's, As a rookie, he's a rookie. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, he's a no, rookie. I forget that. Don't you? I mean, yeah. Absolutely incredible. So, you know, McLaren have got a fantastic driver lineup and they've got two, you know, guys they're not going to be frightened of how close the walls are here. So that's not a bad shout. Uh, but of course, Aston Martin, gone back to the old aero package, seems to have worked. You know, Fernando, you can never write him off. Never so right. If he got in front by some fluke in qualifying, mm. no one's going by him for a while. No, no, exactly, I mean, yeah. I'm going to ask you this. I mentioned it at that Rob uh, House of Rob thing yesterday. There is a there is the Red Bull Max factor when they come up behind. You like those two Ferraris parted like Moses, you know, <laughs> at the start of the it's almost Senna-esque. Senna-esque. It? It's like, oh, he's going to come by anyway. I think mm. they need to go. You know, yeah. hey, you wait mm. back there a second. Yeah, and and make life a bit harder. Mm. You know, you see but that. Are you trying to say that that maybe Carlos and um, Charles are too nice? Yeah, I think they are. I think you. I mean, I don't think Max would be nice. No, I don't, oh, no, he'd you, be the absolute opposite. Well, look what happened in him and. Lewis, you know, were going for Literally. it. I mean, they were, they were, you know, knocking into each other whenever they could, couldn't they? So, and that, of course, everyone wants, um, you know, Ferrari and Mercedes to be up the front. It looks like Mercedes are going to have to wait another year, maybe, uh-huh. to get to where they are. And um, but uh, I, I've just loved the the Alonso factor this year. At the beginning of the year, it was brilliant. Hopefully, as I say, they've gone back to their old aero package. Hopefully, can mix it up at the front. As you say, if if because of the conditions, because of the variability, if you know Max is qualifying fifth or sixth, it could be a really really interesting race from that point. I know. Uh, I think this is going to be the biggest spectacle. I think we thought Miami was mm-hmm. was off the charts. Um, they've never seen Vegas get ramped up for a race, mm. though. I mm. mean, I mean the sphere. And, and the let's be honest, you know, Miami's it, it's not in Miami, right? It's, it's out in by the, the Art the, District, by it, the Hard Rock. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Whereas this, you know, I, my Uber driver on the way in this morning was telling me it's in the completely the wrong place. It should be out of the Las Vegas Speedway. That's mm-hmm. not the point. That's not what no. we're here for, right? And as you say, it's, uh, to measure. Vegas versus even Miami, and you know I love the love the the city and I love the the beach area, but it's not there, right? You have to travel quite a way to get there. Here, as you say, we're sat in the wind here. You walk out the door, and there's one of the corners. And yeah. we were in the sphere last night, and um, oh, you, you know, were, were you? yes, yeah, we went in there to see the um, uh, the, the animal one, yeah, yeah, the the planet one where. You know, we we need to save the planet and all that. And then as you walk out, there's a lot of concrete around the place. To, <laughs> and Formula One cars. Yeah, and Formula One yeah. cars, yes, exactly. Which are now, you know, the most efficient, um, you know, uh, right. internal combustion engine ever built. So we've got to say I that, do actually we? have to say that if only people would stop and take stock of the technology that we have in internal combustion engines, the um, mm. lack of emissions and the output mm. is maybe one of the best engineering feats of the last 200 years 
I agree. And, and uh, what we can do, we're going to throw it away, and everyone's going to have to have electric, you know, powertrains. Which, uh, you know, in motorsport, what do we do normally? We let the engineers go at it, and the best mm. man wins. I mean, in, in in this case, I think there should be rules around what the emissions are, and if yeah. you can do that with hydrogen or electric or, you know, um, whatever, uh, uh, gasoline. You just know, go, for uh, go for it. Yeah. What, what just do you get, think about just before uh, we move on? What do you think about synthetic fuels? Because I'm excited I, about I that. Think, I think it could be the answer. Because then it's going to be, hey, you lot, get down out of your trees or mm. go back up in them because mm. we we have the answer here. Mm. It's way more, way more environmentally friendly than anything you could do with an EV. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, the law of unintended consequences is strong, as we know, and the push towards EV will have things that will go wrong. You know, there are materials in batteries um, that... Um, you know, will cause problems down the line. We've already yeah. started to see that. Um, and where's the electricity coming from? Yes, we're moving to more sustainable sources of electricity, but that ain't happening tomorrow, is it? So, you know, we, there's coal-fired coal -fired power stations firing up your, your Tesla. So, yeah. um, you know, if it's all coming from green, then brilliant, but it's not at the moment. It's so, not. yeah, it's we could have a long discussion about yeah. that, and I'm not the world's expert yeah. on it, but um, I feel like I, I seem to know a little bit more than the the, the lawmakers that are currently you know, bumbling along and, uh, and putting the wrong rules in place. Well, I just hope Sebastian Vettel's been showcasing yeah. his synthetic fuels in the Formula One cars, quite a nice collection that mm. he owns. Yes. And I think that um, it's just great. Uh, mm. And I think that's going to show performance doesn't have to drop or anything. Mm. So Formula One should always lead the technology. Absolutely. Spearprint and, we, uh, you know, the, the head of the, the, the arrow, like, so to speak. Mm. And, and here we are in Vegas. It's going to be mm. a massive party. Well, it's time for the Mobile One pit stop challenge and it is of i'm actually going to say it again because i said that totally wrong that was really crappy of me um time for the mobile one pit stop for the love of driving <laughs> do, you Darren, me, do you want me to do that do you no want me to read i know it i want you to answer these questions well, hang mate. on a minute well i didn't know that there was a, a, yeah, a I'm question gonna, i'm going to give you a little thing now one word answers or two word answers are you ready for this am i going to get marked on this or yeah you are okay am i on uh, a timer yeah you're not um uh okay uh what do you reckon the top speed we'll see all weekend uh, 2.13. Ooh, okay, well, we should put a bet down on that. Um, oh, I actually... That's miles are, an hour, obviously. It is, totally. Yeah. Uh, if you're a Formula One driver and you've got a big bonus, what what do you what would you spend it on in Vegas? In Vegas? Well, there's stuff. Oh, you can't say that on camera. Can you? <laughs> That's a big bonus, isn't it? Um, I, I mean, it's an amazing place. I would... Do you know what I would love to? I would... Anyone that was here, I would take them to see you two at the Sphere. I, I, I'm gutted they're not on. I think that would be an amazing thing to go and see. You're a guy that is known for having a good time when the uh, after hours. Uh, what driver, current driver, do you think would be the best wingman for a night out in Las Vegas? Oh, it's got to be Alonso, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think the young ones are. Yeah, they'll you know go off and do some gaming maybe afterwards. But uh, yeah, the old boys would probably have a bit more fun, I'd imagine. We've Which... seen the shot. We've seen the shot of Fernando and George smoking a cigar in a nightclub yeah. in, the, in the winter. So. Well, my favourite shot, I was saying about this yesterday, uh, I share a birthday with Sebastian Loeb and there's a brilliant shot. Every every year it comes up on my you know, feed, my social feeds from one year ago and it's Sebastian Loeb on his yacht in Monaco with a cigarette in his mouth and a beer in his hand. And uh, yeah, we don't, have, we don't have that anymore, do we? we? On that note, uh, your racing hero. Oh, you know, I've never, uh, ridiculous, I've never been asked that question. It was Senna when I was growing up. Well, no, it actually was Mansell when I was growing up a little oh, bit. And then, then then I sort of understood Senna, um, you know, once once um, 
uh, I was a little bit older. So, uh, yeah, if I look back now, it's out and centre. But I had some other, you know, uh, heroes uh, as well, which are just completely random ones. You know, I, I absolutely loved a guy called uh, Dick Johnson, strangely. Yeah. He was an Australian racing driver. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I met him. And he's, you know, he's one of those don't meet your heroes. But, you know, there was this amazing race called Bathurst, um, that we watched in the UK and, and he was the guy that was at the front and, you know, he's sort of pushing people off and he looked like the uh, the rebel amongst the, the grid. So, yeah, I've grown up, he, he was a sort of a hero. I, I loved the touring car era, Andy Rousty, Soper, all that sort of thing. So it wasn't just, how did I miss, how did I miss the right answer? Like, no one that is listening to this podcast will know a guy called Martin Shanker. Well. Who was um, the best rallycross driver. So now... You know, um, Travis does a brilliant job with his Nitro Rallycross stuff. You know, Rallycross is coming back again. But back in the day, it was massive in Europe. And, um, yeah, there was a guy called Martin Shanko who was an absolute lunatic. So, um, yeah, that, that was my sort of era. So there you go. Uh, someone no one's ever heard of, a guy called Martin Shanker. Crazy Norwegian dude. And my final question. These are supposed to be one-word answers. Yeah, but we've gone way past that one's dead. Um, we, we've moved past the one-word <laughs> answer because I didn't write any questions for you. Um, motor racing. Mm. 50 years from now, mm. what will it look like as concisely as you can think? I, the, the growth of historic and classic racing in the last few years has been massive. So I think those people in 50 years um, will hark back to this era, but also, you know, just um, an early era as well. So you'll probably be racing cars racing now. The problem is with Formula One cars, we've seen at the weekend, you know, McLaren taking a load of old Formula One cars to... Uh, race circuits and, and getting them to, you know, driving around. Lando was driving it um, and, and Tony Canan and these guys and Zach was in one as well. Um, they're relatively easy to run, right? Now you see when people do test events and uh, demonstration events, they're not running these cars. They're not running the hybrid cars. They're running the old V8s. So the problem for people that want to race, you know, the, the sports cars at the top end or Formula One, I mean, 50 years' time, it's going to be bloody difficult. You know, you're going to... Oh be plugging lots of laptops in. Um, so maybe the thing to do, we need to work this out, is to buy the right bunch of cars that then go forward. So I think, yeah, it'd be a lot more classic and, and um, historic racing, even more than now uh, that, that's happening. And I, I don't really want to think about that modern day racing is, but it is, yeah, I mean, there's autonomous coming, you know, Oof. racing without dry, you know, yeah. I don't even want to think about Let's it. Let's not even think about it. No, well, no. thank you for answering those uh, Mobile One sure. Pit Stop questions. Yes, yes. But more importantly, thank you for being on the show. Well, that was brilliant. great. We, that's great. We were only just down there. It's, down you know, there, we just yeah. wandered down, come and had a chat with you. So, you know, there's lots of people in town. So it's brilliant to be able to pop in. What a fantastic facility you've thank got you here at the, uh, the Blue Wire Studios. Thanks for inviting me along. Thank you very much. All right, mate, it's going to be a good weekend. Hey there, race fans. Justin Bell here. If you're anything like me, driving probably means quite a lot to you, and not just racing, all driving. Nowadays, I'm sure you feel like I do sometimes, too distracted with texts, emails, work calls, and social media to get out there and simply enjoy the open road. I've always had a love of driving, and that's what Mobile One is all about. A reminder that even when life starts to feel too full of screens and routines, the ultimate escape is waiting patiently in your driveway. Mobile One, for the love of driving. Very cool, very cool to understand what goes on behind the scenes and now it just all makes sense. It seems so normal, but back then it really wasn't. People learning to drive on sofas at home with a steering wheel and pedals and then becoming racing drivers. How brilliant. And now we see them doing it for real. 
It's going to be a big week. As I say, everything is centered around uh, the win here in Las Vegas and by the number of drivers I see and the cars around here. I mean, it's just going to be an extraordinary event. I do want to bring mention, actually. You might have seen it online and you'll see it revolving around behind me here. Uh, our partners, Mobile One, have just given us this incredible new graphics package, which is very exciting, all tied in, of course, with performance and Red Bull Racing, as they're the official uh, lubricant of Red Bull Racing. So thank you to Mobile One for bringing up these incredible graphics that we've been playing throughout the studio and everybody walking by. I hope you enjoy your week from wherever you are. Do tune in to every one of our shows over the next few days because we have so much fun stuff to talk about. I really am getting live human beings in the studio here. And at the moment, I think we're looking at maybe David Coulthard. We've got Will Buxton coming in. We said we would. He was one of our best interviews. I might even have Sir Jackie Stewart making an appearance. So it's all to play for. And of course, the mullet man will be here in person. Can't wait to have some fun with him on Thursday night. Thanks for watching, guys. Remember, like, share, and leave a comment. And definitely try and promote what we do to your friends because uh, we're having a good time. All right, enjoy Ultimate Race Week here at the Win Las Vegas. See you.